0: My name is Brad and I'm the lead pastor here at Hillside Church and I want to thank you for listening to one of our messages from Hillside Church. We believe that the God who spoke so clearly all through the pages of scripture is still speaking today. So if it's me speaking or if it's someone else, we pray that the message you are about to hear would allow you to know God, know his hope, know his purpose, and know his power. Enjoy the message.
1: said, my name is Maria Keibel and my husband Greg and I have been part of this church for about 13 years now. Um, But we haven't been around much this past year because last fall we actually bought an acreage out by Sundry and so quite often on the weekends we are out there and we've just been uh, participating online. Uh, Greg is not here this morning because Every uh, once a year, him and all the men in his family do a weekend getaway, male um, bonding kind of thing. So um, he's out in sundry right now with his dad and his brothers. Greg um, and I have two children. Our daughter Kristen lives in Brooks, but she's here with us this morning. <laughs> And um, we have a son, uh, Jacob, who uh, lives with us and he's out with his dad and sundry uh, today. Now, I have never attended Bible college, so do not assume that uh, anything I say is true just because I said it. Rather, test everything to see if it lines up with the word of God. My qualifications are that I love the Lord with all my heart mind, and strength, and I'm committed to studying His Word. Now uh, when Brad asked me to speak, he said that the church was doing a series this summer on the fruit of the Spirit, and he said that I could speak on one of the fruit if I wanted to, or if I preferred I could talk about something else, and that's what I've chosen to do. Um, Today I'm going to talk about one of the psalms that's been really meaningful to me over the past year or so. It's a psalm that shows us so much of God's character. Um, It's been a huge comfort to me, and um, at times I've spoken the words of this psalm simply as a prayer. This psalm also contains what I think is one of the most spectacular verses in all of scripture. It's Psalm 25. So if you have a Bible with you this morning, um, open it up and follow along as I read through Psalm 25. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. In you I trust, O my God. Do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one whose hope is in you will ever be put to shame but they will be put to shame who are treacherous without excuse. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God my Savior and my hope is in you all day long. Remember, O Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways, According to your love, remember me, for you are good, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore He instructs sinners in His ways. He, he guides okay, now I've got He guides the humble in what is right, and teaches them His way. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful for those who keep the demands of his covenant. For the sake of your name, O Lord, forgive my iniquity, though it is great. Who then is the man that fears the Lord? He will instruct him in the way chosen for him. He will spend his days in prosperity, and his descendants will inherit the land. The Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. My eyes are ever on the Lord, for only he will release my feet from the snare. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart have multiplied. Free me from my anguish. Look upon my affliction and my distress and take away all my sins. See how my enemies have increased, how fiercely they hate me. Guard my life and rescue me. Let me not be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness protect me because my hope is in you. Redeem Israel, O God, from all of their troubles. So let's walk through this psalm together. This psalm was written by David, but we don't know when. Now, some psalms tell us the time period when they were written, like Psalm 3, for example, which begins with, a psalm of David when he fled from his son Absalom. But Psalm 25 just says, of David, nothing else. We know that David was a complex man, having moments of great faith, such as when he fought Goliath. And in 1 Kings 14.8, God describes David as one who kept my commands and followed me with all his heart. Impressive, right? But David also had moments of great disappointment when he messed up big time committing adultery and then murder. There were also times when David showed extremely poor judgment as a father, which is why at one point he had to flee from his son Absalom. Nevertheless, despite David's shortcomings, David was a man who loved the Lord and he wrote beautiful words, honestly expressing his feelings and teaching us much about the character of God. And thus we have Psalm 25. So Psalm 25 begins with David saying, oops, not that. (laughs) Okay, I think I missed a slide. But it begins with, to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. So David calls God Lord. The word Lord is Jehovah, which means the proper name of the supreme God. David is acknowledging God's overwhelming greatness. God is the one of whom there simply is none better. And yet David, this imperfect man, is able to address God in all of his greatness, personally saying, to you, O Lord. Think about that. Think about David's insignificance and his unworthiness in comparison to God's greatness and holiness and perfection. There is such a contrast and yet David is able to address God in this deeply personal and intimate way. Now, let's compare God to say, Justin (laughs) Trudeau. Our Prime Minister has never given me his contact information. I know that I could look up his parliamentary email address and I could send him a note, but I really doubt that he would read it personally And I even more strongly doubt that he would send me a personal reply. Justin Trudeau or any of our other previous prime ministers does not have the time for me. And while I am sure that he would never admit it, I am insignificant to him. And I think about my own insignificance in comparison to who God is. And just like David, I'm able to say... To you, O oh Lord, I lift up my soul. And that's what I've been doing a lot this past year, as the circumstances of life during the pandemic have felt overwhelming and confusing and frustrating. It's like nothing makes sense, and I've cried out so many times to God, um, to the one true almighty God saying, To you, O oh Lord, I lift up my soul. And while Justin Trudeau may not want to hear about my day-to-day struggles this past year, God does. That is the God that we have. He is not unreachable or impersonal. Um, He's not watching over us from a distance. He is the one that we can talk to personally, knowing that he hears us and he cares for us. Now, the phrase, lift up my soul, speaks of coming before God with all your being. David comes before his maker in complete vulnerability and honesty. And that is what I have done so often this past year when anxiety has gripped me. And that is what we all can do anywhere, anytime. Come before the one of whom there is none greater and lift up your soul. The next verse in Psalm 25 reads, In you I trust, O my God. God is is trustworthy. David knows this. He knows it because he has personally experienced it throughout his life, such as when he fought Goliath or the times when he had to flee from Saul and God protected him. And David knows that God is trustworthy because he studied the ancient scriptures. Now, David, of course, did not have the entire Bible like we do, but he had the Torah, the books written by Moses. And in Psalm 9, David writes, "Um, For those who know your name will trust in you, for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. God's word promises that those who know God will never be forsaken by him, and so we can trust him. Personally, I know that God is trustworthy because I've experienced him at work in my life, he has brought me through difficult times in the past, and I know that he will again. I've seen him answer my prayers over and over again. And so when I'm having a problem, I try to think about the specific ways that God has helped me in the past, and this is what helps me to trust him in the present. I know also that God is trustworthy because I've studied his word, and I've seen what he's done for his people. God is the one who... Spoke the world into existence. He parted, or sorry, he breathed life into dust and created a man. He parted the Red Sea, though his people could cross on dry ground, not just on the muddy bottom of the sea where a short time ago the Red Sea had been, but on dry ground. He raised the dead back to life, which shows his great power and compassion. He sent his son to the cross to die, to pay the penalty for my sins. And knowing these things, I know that I can trust in him, and so can you. The next few verses read, Do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. Um, No one whose hope is in you will ever be put to shame, but they will be put to shame who are treacherous without excuse. Now the word shame is repeated a lot here, and um, that's one of the reasons actually why this psalm has meant so much to me. Shame, it's not a great feeling, and I know because I've experienced it over and over again. Growing up, I know that my parents meant well and that it was their desire to raise their children to be responsible adults, but they had a method of disciplining us that I question. I grew up in a family of seven kids and it seemed that inevitably when one of us did something wrong, the offender would be told that they are in deep, deep trouble. Not just trouble, but deep, deep trouble. And for me, these words really had this devastating effect, thinking what a terrible, terrible person I must be if my childish actions had caused me to be in deep, deep trouble. And I was filled with this overwhelming feeling of shame, this feeling that I had lost my parents' love and that I had to do something to earn it back. And even as an adult, that shame has stayed with me and has resurfaced any time I've done anything wrong, whether big or small. Any time I've disappointed someone, there's been shame. Any time that I've done something wrong or said something inappropriate, there's been shame. And any time I failed in any way, shame has filled my heart. But then in Psalm 25, I read the words, no one whose hope is in you will ever be put to shame. And you have no idea how beautifully comforting and healing those words are. Um, How freeing those words were to me. No one whose hope is in you. That's me. I will not be put to shame by the one who knows everything about me he knows all my faults all of my shortcomings all of my mistakes david inspired by the holy spirit wrote that no one whose hope is in you will ever be put to shame and because of this i rejoice and if you struggle with shame in any way may i suggest that you read through um, all of the psalms and mark the word shame And see what the Bible has to say. And then let God's uh, word minister you to your heart. And start with Psalm 25. So carrying on, verse 2 also says, I'm sorry, I'm getting mixed up on myself. There. Do not let my, uh, nor let my enemies triumph over me. There, that's what I want. Here is what I would like to say about this. Sometimes I think that the kind and gentle side of God is emphasized over his other attributes. We like to talk about God's love and his compassion, and that's good because those are important parts of his character. But it's also true that God is a God of justice who hates evil and fights against it. Our God is a warrior. He does not want our enemies to triumph over us. And I think that it would be great if sometime Brad or Matt could talk more about what the Bible says about our enemies and specifically how we can pray for our enemies. There's so much to say about this. We know that God loves all people and he wants all people to have a relationship with him and that includes our enemies. But for now, all I'll say is that God knows that we have enemies and he is in control. Moving on with Psalm 25, we read in verse 4, Um, Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. And jumping to verse 12, we read, Who then is the man who fears the Lord? He will instruct him in the way chosen for him. Now, when I study a passage in scripture, I like to identify the key repeated words And in Psalm 25, the word teach or synonyms of it are mentioned a few times starting in verse 4 where the psalmist writes, teach me your paths, guide me in your truth, and teach me. And if I may state the obvious, when you ask someone to teach you something, it's because there's something that you don't know, but it's something you want to know. David wants to know God's ways. He wants God to teach him. He wants to know God's truth. The beauty of this verse is that David is acknowledging that he doesn't know it all. He doesn't have all the answers, but he wants to be taught. He wants instruction. He doesn't pretend to be more than what he is, someone who knows everything. He knows that God's ways are desirable, and he wants to be taught them. And so it is with me. I am not standing here today because I have it all together and I know everything and I am here to graciously bless you with my deep understanding. No, on the contrary, I stand before you as one, someone who is trying to figure things out and who needs my God and Savior to show me his ways and guide me in his truth and teach me, and that's okay. Okay. And it's okay if you don't have all the answers either because our God and Savior wants to teach all of us his ways. Um, Next, in verse 6, we read, Remember, O Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from of old. Now, have you ever noticed in Scripture how often when someone makes a request of God, they appeal to his character, just like David does in this psalm when he refers to God's mercy and love. Another person who does this is Daniel, who prays to God, saying, we do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. God is merciful. He is compassionate. He is loving. He is gracious. These are the reasons that we can make requests of him. We can appeal to these characteristics when we make our requests. We don't have to rely on our own goodness or wait until we're perfect before we can come and ask God for what we want. We can throw ourselves on his mercy and love and say, Lord, I need your help. Next, in Psalm 25, we read, Remember not the sins of my youth or my rebellious ways, According to your love, remember me, for you are good, O Lord. Look upon my affliction. Oh, and then something similar is expressed in verse 18, where David says, Look upon my affliction and my distress, and take away all my sins. Again, we see here that David is aware of his imperfections. He knows that he has sinned, but he also knows that God is merciful and forgiving. Now, I don't know what things you've done in your life, but I do know that there is nothing that can separate us from God's love. God is merciful, God is forgiving, and there is nothing that you have done that he cannot forgive. And that's something that I wish people everywhere knew, just how great God's love and his forgiveness are. And so now we come to what I think is one of the most beautifully amazing verses in all of scripture. Psalm 25 verse 8 begins with um, Good and upright is the Lord therefore he and I want to stop right here and ask you if you were the one that was writing the Bible how would you finish this verse? We know that God is good and upright so what can we conclude about him because of this? Well, I actually put this question on Facebook about a year ago, and here are some of the responses I received. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he loves unconditionally, which is true. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore his mercies are new every morning. Again, that's true. Our very own Shannon Lou provided this response. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he will carry your burdens and bring you comfort. All of these are true. God does love us unconditionally. He does love us abundantly. His mercies are new every morning, and he does carry our burdens. And I know from personal experience that he gives us comfort. However, what Psalm 25 verse 8 says is nothing like any of these responses. Instead, it says, Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in his ways. About that. God instructs sinners. Think about how completely amazing this verse is. This verse doesn't say that God instructs those who are deserving and worthy of Him. It doesn't say that God instructs people who are really, really good. It says that God instructs sinners. And guess what? That means me. I am a sinner. I stand before you as someone who has messed up and done things that I know I shouldn't have and failed to do things that I know I should have. I've been impatient, I've lost my temper more than once, and I've done a whole lot of other things that I know I shouldn't have. And Psalm 25 says that God instructs people like me, and God will instruct you too. Now, is that not one of the most awesomely amazing things ever? Psalm 25 doesn't say that because God is good and upright, he cannot stand the sight of filthy sinners so you had better shape up. It doesn't say that because God is good and upright, he will strike sinners with a bolt of lightning or at least give them a slap across the side of the heads to knock some sense into them. It says that God instructs sinners. And I think that is one of the most beautiful truths in all of Scripture. And so if you have not already done so, I invite you to embrace this truth. The next thing that David writes is he guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his ways. That's the key. We need to come to before our God with humility. And when we do, he will teach us. He will guide us. And we know that his ways are perfect. His ways are best. And this is what we see in verse 10, which says... All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful for those who keep the demands of his covenant. Now, I wasn't really sure what to do with the expression, the demands of his covenant. So I looked up this verse in some other translations to get some understanding. And in the Living Bible, this verse is translated. When we obey him, every path he guides us on is fragrant with his loving kindness and his truth. God's ways are good. The next thing that we read in Psalm 25 is, um, oh I didn't put this one on the slide, sorry. For the sake of your name, O Lord, forgive my iniquity, though it is great. David again acknowledges his sinfulness. He doesn't try to be better than what he is. Instead, he appeals to God's character and asks for forgiveness. And we need to be like David, not pretending to be anything other than what we really are. God will not reject us when we are honest before him. The final verse in Psalm 25 says, Redeem Israel, O God, from all their troubles. Now, may I ask you to take this verse and make it a prayer, but substitute Canada for Israel and pray. Redeem Canada, O God, from all her troubles. We all have troubles. We have troubles individually, and we have troubles as a country. Let's turn these troubles over to our God and ask for his redemption. So that is Psalm 25. If I could summarize it, I would say this. We are messy people who make mistakes, but God wants a relationship with us. He loves us so much, and He wants to lead us in a better way.
2: Amen? I can write
0: a melody that all of heaven's choir sings. Thanks for listening to this message from Hillside Church. I pray that you were blessed by what God had to say in this message. If you would like to connect further with Hillside Church, there are a couple places you can go hillsideairdry.ca is our website and you can find us on facebook instagram and twitter at hillsideairdry you can also look us up on youtube and find all of our messages on apple Podcasts. if you would like to connect to the pastoral team at hillside you can do that through our website hillsideairdry.ca and click on about us in the main menu and then click on our pastors we're so thankful to be able to share the gospel message of Jesus Christ with our community in Airdrie and with you today. At Hillside Church, we are a family, not by blood, but a family that's been bought by blood. And that family includes you. As family we go.
2: At best it means with all love it all means I can dine with the kings and queens my name go down in history, but if I don't I won't move when my brother cries out Best it all means nothing Jesus with <gasps> the, the love it all means nothing Oh yeah, yeah. And I don't want to sound like a crashing symbol Yeah No I don't want to be some empty noise Down on my knees, Lord, I surrender Jesus, help me to love with a love like yours Jesus, Jesus, so. I don't want to sound like a crashing cymbal Lord, I surrender Help me Like I love myself. And I want to move when my brother cries out for help. Don't want to be too proud to forgive before the sun goes down. Then, this life that I've been living, what would it mean? At best, it will all mean something. With love, it all means something. I hope it all means something.